Open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. And Regina, I, it's so wonderful having you back here. Can we give it up for our worship team, Brendan and, and the whole team? How comfortable are you in that chair? Are you comfortable in that chair? You're okay? Okay, just stick around. Just stick around. You guys mind if Regina stuck around for a little bit? Just stick around. And if your pastor says something that makes you go plink, 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 then just, just do it. Because we, we might, I feel like we might take a praise break every now and then. You know what a praise break is? A praise break is a moment during the preaching of the word where you just feel like, man, God just spoke something through your pastor, hit you right in the heart, and you can't help but to just praise him for just a moment and say thank you, Jesus. Amen? That's a praise break. So we may take one a couple of times during the message. But it's really up to you. See, I know I'm a preach good. Whether you, you, whether you listen good or not, that's up to you. Now, I've got to say this up front, that when I get up here, I hide. I hide. I intentionally hide behind Jesus. Because I can't, but he can. And so every now and then, I, so I hide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, you, your little plan is going to get me to preach it. So let me just, jo Joshua chapter 7, Joshua chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Joshua 7, verse 1, we are tying up a series we started a few weeks ago entitled Destiny. And, and today we're talking about living your destiny. We've talked about getting connected to your destiny, staying connected to your destiny. Today we're talking about living your destiny. And I want to I want to tie this message in with the series that we're wrapping up, but also tied into uh, the expanding victory initiative that we're getting ready to head into into the fall. And so I want to look at Joshua chapter 7. I'm just asking you to turn to one place in the scriptures this morning in the Bible. And so um, if you have a paper Bible, turn there. If you've got a smart device, then click on Joshua chapter 7. We're going to begin with verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 13. And... Um, and then we're going we're to talk a little bit. Joshua 7 verse 1 says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. And a man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. Now, let me just pause there for a moment just to give you some context. Um, in chap this is chapter 7. In chapter 6 is the great victory of the Battle of Jericho, right? It's, it's whenever, wherever God gave, whenever God gave Joshua and the children of Israel a great victory victory um, over a great walled city that was impossible for them to penetrate, but yet God did a miracle. And so they're coming off of that victory. Now, with that in mind, notice, um, notice the great confidence that they have. After Jericho, they come to a town called Ai, and the guys tell Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. 
It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai, since there are so few of them. They'll make all our people struggle to go up there. Verse 4. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth, and then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Um, isn't it interesting that sometimes uh, we can go to prayer, and we think it's prayer, but it's actually just whining. And this is, this is, this is what the Lord thinks about those kinds of prayers. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. I wonder if some of the things that we're believing God for in prayer isn't an issue of prayer, but an issue of obedience. That's just a little freebie on the side. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. I'm not a big fan of failure. I don't desire defeat. I, I can't think of anyone in their right mind that starts a race, a task, or a fight with the intention of losing. I like to win. I enjoy victory. I'm attracted to people that win. I'm attracted to winners. Not just people that talk about winning, but people that actually win. You might say, well, then why in the world are you still a Browns fan? I don't know. So I'm also a man of great faith. There are some people that like hanging around others that don't do what they do as good as they do it. Not me. And hopefully not you. I like hanging out with people that do what I do better than I do. Why? Because I'm attracted to winners. I'm attracted to people of great faith. I'm attracted to people with great love for God and great love for others. And that, that's why I married my wife. I determined to marry up. If you are the smartest, the sharpest, most talented, most successful person in your group, it's time to get another group. Because we often limit our sphere because of insecurities. We want to be the best there is. And I get that. 
But I've got to surround myself with people that have bigger vision and greater faith and greater love and, and a greater and greater insight because I, I never want to become dull. I never want to become, uh, become something of yesterday. I never want to, well, I, I want to be all that God has called me to be. And, and, it, and it takes hanging around people that do things that we do better than we do them. As much as we all love winning and victory, the truth is that tragedy and triumph are both a part of life. Because how many know that life's a mixture? That life's a mixture. And anyone that tells you that life is only full of sunny days and only full of triumphs and victory, they're lying to you. They're trying to sell you something that they cannot deliver on. But life is a mixture. Life is full of sunny days and stormy days. It's full of triumphs and tragedies. But the key to living a victorious life, living your destiny, and living a life of victory is not allowing defeat to define you. And not allowing the defeat to keep you from taking great risks in life, in ministry, in business, in relationships. Babe Ruth is famous for his past home run record. But for decades, he also held the record for strikeouts. He had 714 home runs and struck out 1,330 times in his career, about which he said, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. Thomas Edison had 10,000 failures before he perfected the incandescent light bulb. Abraham Lincoln experienced failure after failure in life, in business, and in politics but was then elected our 16th president and led our country during one of her darkest hours during the Civil War. Ray Kroc failed in real estate and went bankrupt, failed in sales, moved to Southern California, bought a hamburger stand from two brothers named the McDonald brothers. He made that little hamburger stand into a fast food chain that is killing America today. <laughs> So although defeat and failure are part of life, especially if you're a risk taker, a risk taker, I've determined to not only learn from my past mistakes, but from others' failures as well. If I can avoid failure and defeat in my life by being a quick study, then I'm going to do everything that I can to learn from other people's failures, and so should you. That the only failures you learn from are not just yours, but if you're smart, you'll learn from others as well. And I'm thankful that the spiritual dads and moms that we have in our lives give you open access to their lives so that you can learn not only the hard way by, by your own mistakes and failures, but they say, hey, son, here's what we've done that's been good, and here's what we've done that hasn't worked. How many thank God for spiritual mom and dad that are an open book? And give access to sons and daughters. And I'm determined, I'm determined to learn how to live life from victory to victory. From victory to victory. Victorious leaders feel the alternative to winning is totally unacceptable. So they figure out what must be done to achieve victory. And then go after it 
with everything at their disposal. In his first speech after becoming prime minister and facing the growing power of Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich, Winston Churchill said, We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I will say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I answer in one word, victory. Victory at all cost, victory in spite of all terror, victory however long and hard the road may be, for without victory there is no survival. That was a pretty good speech, wasn't it? Throughout your Bible, you will find men and women who knew both victory and defeat. They knew them both. But as you study their lives, you find a God that desires his people to live from victory to victory. From victory to victory. I'm not saying you will never have setbacks. I'm not saying that you'll never have disappointments in life. But if there is a secret of living life from victory to victory, then I want to know what it is, don't you? Because listen, if it's true that no weapon formed against you will prosper, if it's true that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, if it's true that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, if it's true that God is for me and not against me, if it's true that God is love and love never fails and I have resident on the inside of me the fullness of God, then that makes me one bad individual. That makes me a walking, talking, declaring, demonstrating victory machine. Oh, I may fall down from time to time. I, 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 I may fall down every now and then. But if all of this is true, then there's only up and getting up. If I'm down, don't throw the party just yet, devil. Keep your champagne bottle cork and the confetti in the bag because proverb 24 tells me that a righteous man may fall seven times but he will rise again turn to your neighbor and tell him i may fall but i will rise again if all of this is true then there's only up and getting up I may fall, I may stumble, I, 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 I may experience a setback, but, but if, if all of this is true, then by God, I want to live the kind of life on planet Earth that's going from victory to victory, not from defeat to defeat, or even from victory to defeat, but from victory to victory. And we're experiencing some great things here at Victory Christian Center. The history of this church has been so epic and victorious. That it has forced me to ask the question, where do we go from here? What comes after great decades of, of victory? You want to know what comes after victory? I will tell you what comes after victory. Victory. Yeah. 
What comes after victory is victory. First Chronicles 18, 13 says that God gave David victory after victory. That's the kind of lifestyle I want to live, from glory to glory, from victory to victory. Where are we going, Victory Christian Center, after decades of victory? I'll tell you, we're going to victory. Where are we going, Victory Christian Center? Yes, because we're going from victory to victory. You think things are pretty good right now? Oh, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. God wants to take us from victory to victory. Our best is yet to come. Don't hang your laurels on past decades and past victories and past wins. We will celebrate them, but we will not stay there or rest there. We will look forward and say, God, you brought us through then. You gave us victory then. But I thank you that you're not the God of yesterday. You're the God of now. You're the great I am, not the great I used to be. And so although I might celebrate my past, I look forward to my future because where you're taking us is not backwards. It's not down. You are taking us from victory. I didn't come to change the trajectory of our destiny. God's heart is not to change course 40 years into a movement. Our past prophesies our future. Victory, you've been victory. You may have forgotten every now and then that you're victory, but God has dropped me by to remind us that we are victory. We've always been victory, and we shall be victory. And God is only going to take us from victory. All right. Y'all getting it. After the great victory in Joshua chapter 6, the battle of Jericho, we see a great defeat in Joshua chapter 7. A defeat that never should have happened. It wasn't God's purpose. It wasn't God's destiny for Israel for them to experience defeat in Joshua chapter 7. God's plan was to take his people from victory to victory. Now, don't get confused. God didn't say that he'd take you from easy street to easy street or from mountaintop to mountaintop, but from victory to victory, and there's a difference. The Bible says in John 16, that in the world you will have trouble, but cheer up. Why? Because he's overcome the world. The defeat in chapter 7 after the victory of chapter 6 caused me to ask how. How can we avoid defeat after victory? When God's promise is victory. What can God teach us about victory and living life from victory to victory? A mili military tactician said that battles are won before they're fought. That, that was his way of saying that victory depends on prior preparation. One general called it making a good ready. So this morning I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he wants us to embrace three things quickly to make a good ready. Three things to do before and after a victory. Let me give them all to you up front. Write them down and then we'll, we'll, we'll um, unpack these one by one. First one is this. It's be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. Number two is be focused to the goal. And number three is be fearless of the grave. Those three things are essential. 
faithful to God, focused to the goal, fearless of the grave. Number one, be faithful to God. What do I mean by that? In Joshua chapter 7, if that chapter teaches us anything, it's that God's people are never more vulnerable. Listen to me. God's people are never more vulnerable, never in greater danger than right after they have won a great victory. There's a natural inclination in people that as you faced your greatest challenge, we go to him in prayer and in prayer and fasting. And we do all the right things to get God's attention. And after he gives you the victory, we fall back into our daily routine of apathy and complacency. And we live life thinking that the communions of yesterday are sufficient to face the battles of today. Yesterday's victory does not make a believer immune from defeat today. He must continually depend on the Lord for strength. We must remain faithful to God. Not just before your greatest battle, not just when when you need him the most, not just when everything is falling apart, but after your greatest victories, just like when you went after him before the victory, we've got to go after him with the kind of prayer that before the victory you prayed, oh God, we need you. Oh God, we need a great victory. But he wants us to go after him after the victory with the kind of prayer that says, oh God, thank you for the victory. I know it was by your grace and your mercy that I've overcome. And I need you now more than ever. Go ahead and give God thanks for just a moment. That faithfulness to God is so necessary, not only before your greatest challenge, but after your greatest victory. Where you say to him, despair drove me to you, and now victory is tempting me to forget you and get caught up in the pomp and circumstance. But I don't want to forget from where my help comes from. I don't want to forget that it wasn't my ingenuity and, and my giftedness and my talent and the people around me. I don't want to forget where my help comes from. And so we've got to return to him, not in just in moments of need, but in moments of great victory. So what I'm saying is that in a few weeks when this place doubles in size and, and God does some amazing things and, and we're glorifying that we're never going to get to the place where you're going to see the, the picture of this man splattered everywhere in this building. No, 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 no. We're, we're always going to remind ourselves that if it had not been for God who was on our side, that if it had not been for the person of Jesus. Come on, somebody give him a praise break for just a moment because he alone is worthy. And, and by the way, he's the lead pastor. He's the lead pastor. My, my wife and I, we're his assistants and we've got other assistants, but he's the lead pastor. Never forget that. Never forget that Jesus is the pastor of his church and I don't want success to keep me from sweet devotion to him. Joshua is all about hearing from God before Jericho. What you see prior to Jericho is Joshua and God talking. Lots of conversation happening, 
And Joshua was all about God before Jericho. And then victory comes, and the Bible says that his fame spread throughout all of the country. He got so famous, he started to believe all of the stuff that the Canaan Post wrote about him. And you don't see anywhere in chapter 7 that Joshua paused and said, God, thank you for Jericho. Now, what's your plan for Ai? You don't see anywhere, anywhere in chapter 7 where that happened. Not until after they, their defeat did he go to God. And God said, get up. My people have not been faithful to me. So here's my point. Number one, how do you go from victory to victory? You stay faithful to God. I don't want to stop going after God after a moment of victory or a season of victory. The time to pray, the time to praise, the time to worship, the time to fast is not only before your greatest battle, but after the victory. It is so appropriate for us to take a moment and recognize the one that gave us the victory in the first place. If you want to know how to live life from victory to victory and stop being broke and stop living life like a joke and going from victory to victory instead of defeat and defeat, I'm giving it to you right here. Be faithful to God. God sees you and hears you. Success can be just as traumatic as failure. And there's something that we learn before victory, in the trenches, in the battle. There's something that we pick up there that's not just for that season, but God is wanting to develop in us a language and a posture of recognizing that God is God when you feel like he is or not. That God is God, whether you like him or not, he's still God. That he's God on the mountaintop and he's God in the valley. That he's God in the victory and he's God in defeat. That he's God in the storm and he's God on the sunny days. God is God. He never changes. Let's go ahead and just for a moment give him a praise break because he's worthy. I don't want to do church as usual. I, I want to celebrate our victory and keep going after God and say thank you, God, for the breakthrough that came through our obedience to your instruction. But we're not slowing down. We're not going to cruise on the excitement of yesterday's success. We want to go after you. Some people don't know what to do with success, don't know how to handle victory. You get a breakthrough and forget God. You were all about him before your greatest battle, but after the victory, the temptation is to sing, look what I've done. All through the Bible, folks get delivered. God gives them a victory, and immediately they forget God, the God that brought them through. God delivers Israel from Egypt. He does a miracle by parting the Red Sea. God turns his back for just a second, calls Moses up to a mountain. Moses comes down from the mountain, and there are the people worshiping a gold calf. God gives Gideon and 300 men a great victory. In Judges 7 and 8, he makes an ephod, a vest, and the Bible says it became a snare to them. They turned it into an idol. Being faithful to God means you give God the glory for victories in your life. 
And we've got to be careful that we don't make idols out of the methods and vehicles that God uses to bring about the victory because he very seldom does things the same way twice. Be faithful to God. Not faithful to methods. Not faithful to vehicles that God uses. Be faithful to God. When you're faithful to God and change happens, you embrace change. Because strong leaders, growing leaders, embrace change. The change that, the only change we like is the change we initiate. Isn't that true? It's the only change we usually like. But be faithful to God. How do you live life from victory to victory? Be faithful to God. And number two, be focused to the goal. Be focused on the goal. After the victory of Ai, Joshua did a strange and militarily foolish thing. Because God did give, eventually, Joshua victory at Ai. But instead of securing the central sector of the land with further victories, he led the Israelites on a spiritual pilgrimage. And Joshua, you can read this in Joshua chapter 8, verse 30 and 33. The Bible says that without delay, Joshua led them to the mountains of Ebal and Gerizim to worship God. But why was this location, location uh, chosen? What was so important about this location? Location? Man, I can't say that word. Location, right? There it is. It's that Puerto Rican thing. Every now and then it just creeps up on me. And words get funny. By the way, our Puerto Rico team came back yesterday. Thank you for serving our people. Bob came back and said, man, he said, the Puerto Rican people are amazing, aren't they? Very passionate and loving and caring. He said he had never met people like that in anywhere that he's traveled. And so how were the rice and beans? They were good, weren't they? Come on. Que viva la raza. Amen. What'd you say, Pastor? Well, I'm just giving props to my people, that's all. <laughs> you are my people. Come on. So Joshua goes and leads them to the mountains of Ebal and Gerizim. But why was this lo location chosen? These mountains are located in the geographic center of the land, and from either peak, much of the promised land can be seen. It is, it is contested land to this day. These mountains are, are located biblically in Judea and Samaria. That's how we know them as biblically in Israel. But it's also territory that's known by the rest of the world, many in the world, as the West Bank. I'm telling you that this land is still important and plays a role in what God is doing on the earth today. Won't get into all of that right now. But not only were the people being faithful to God and obeying an instruction given all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 27, but the geographic area was key in keeping them focused on the goal, which was to take the whole land of Canaan as an inheritance. What I'm saying is, to live from victory to victory, you have to have something in front of you in your life. You have to have something in front of you, something that God has placed in front of you, a goal, a dream. I'm going somewhere. I've heard God speak something over my life. You've got to have something in front of you in life. And, and much of the church 
Much of the church, 21st century Christianity, especially in our country, reminds me of, of, of a biblical figure by the name of Samson. Many of you know Samson. He, he, he gets the, the title of the strongest man that ever lived. Samson was a bad dude. He was a bad boy. He was strong and, and mighty. I mean, he, he, can take on, he can take on armies and was just, he was strong and mighty and powerful. And, and much of the church reminds me of Samson in that, that if you, if you want to see on, on planet earth today, what, what, should be, what should be the strongest force, force on a planet should be the church of God. That if there's, that, that if there's anyone that, that should be blazing trails and, and pioneering movements and, and being strong in the face of adversity and pushing back setbacks and lifting communities up and regions up and winning and going from victory to victory and being strong in their God is the church. But like Samson, we've, because, we've, because we've broken covenant and, and that which makes us distinct, we've lost our hair. We've in turn have also lost vision. Well, we no longer can see what's ahead of us or what's in us or who's above us. There is no longer a sense of vision. And the Bible says that my people perish, not because the enemy is stronger than you are, not because the battle is scary. My people don't perish because they serve a little God and fight a big devil. My people perish because of Lack of knowledge and vision. They don't see. They can't see what's in front of them. And God brought a prophet, Hosea, to say, tell my people, write the vision, make it plain, read it out loud so that you can run with it. And today there, there is no vision. There is, there is nothing that we can look to. And, and this becomes a social club of a lot of people that look like us, act like us, and vote like us. And it's all about what I can get out of it. And we live life that are, we live inward lives instead of having something in front of us that we see. A God dream, a God vision. We look inward and inside and everything is how does it affect me. But God is wanting to strip away the calluses off of our eyes and strip away the stuff that blinds us. He wants the church to have vision again. To see him for who he is. He's a big God. He's a mighty God. And his church, he wants his church once again to be a church triumphant and full of glory, living from victory to victory. Somebody give him praise for just a moment. If you believe it. I've heard people say that the church is down in America. And it might be true. I, I, I'll give them that. Maybe the church is down, but the devil is down too. Whoever gets up first wins. 
I think it's time that a church of God that's full of the fullness of who he is, that spirit-filled, that loves him and loves people in our community, stand up and say, oh, God, give us back that which makes us distinct. Give us back, Father, relationship and presence and glory and power. Give us back vision so that we can see a world that you died for. And give us back the courage to take mountains again and to fight giants again and to do through you what we could not do by ourselves. Somebody give them a praise break because you want to. And the last point, as we wrap things up, we've got to end. Number one is be faithful to God. Number two is to stay focused on the goal. Number three is be be fearless of the grace. The most often given commandment in the Bible is fear not. Often followed by the most often given promise. For I am with you. 365 times, your Bible says, fear not. Every morning you wake up, there's a fear not waiting on you. Every day of your life, 365 days a year, God gave you a fear not attached to a promise because I am with you. Fear, go ahead and give him thanks for his promise. You know what fear is? I've heard it said that fear is the prophecy of the devil. And fear activates the devil like faith activates God. Throughout Joshua's campaign, God's word to him and the people of Israel was, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Unfortunately, we don't get involved in stuff anymore or we don't need to receive that kind of admonition from God. We intentionally choose things that are easy. We intentionally intentionally choose to do things that we don't need to be reminded that God is with us or reminded that we don't need to fear. We don't confront things that are bigger than us. We don't go after things that are impossible. Our default is to choose that which is comfortable and easy. Our default is to rest on yesterday's victories and coast the rest of the way home. But if you're going to live from victory to victory, you've got to get used to confronting things that will make most people afraid. You've got to get used to fighting giants. You've got to get used to taking mountains. You've got to get out of a comfortable chair of popular Christianity and get into a posture, the uncomfortable posture 
of prayer and devotion to God. The uncomfortable posture of, of dreaming again and believing God that there's more. That it can't end this way. That my family can't beat the statistics. That my marriage will not end like every other marriage that I know of. That, 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 that my, my children will not die. That they will not be lost into a world of addiction and brokenness. You've got to get out of an, 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 a comfortable position of taking things as if you've got no say in the matter. And we need reminded once again that the God that stepped into a furnace with three Hebrew children, the God that stopped the mouths of lions, the God that parted the Red Sea, the God that sent fire from heaven on an altar on a mountain called Carmel, the God that that strategically guided the stone that sunk into the forehead of a giant, the, the God that sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not have, perish but have everlasting life, the God that, that spoke the world into existence, the God that blew spirit into man and made him into a living being, that that God lives on the inside of us and he wants out. He is not in you like a lake. He is in you like a river. And he wants to burst forth into your homes and into your families and into your environment and into your community and into your city. What would it look like if there were people that believed God and took him at his word? That served a big God. saw as an enemy the little devil. If we want to do more for God than we've ever done, I'm telling you that we've got to be willing to invade enemy hell territory and plunder hell to populate heaven. People want great victories but small confrontations. Great victories Great breakthroughs, but little battles. Victories that are easy are cheap. Now, I want God to speak something into our hearts and our spirit. That when we hear it, he's got to follow it by the statement. But don't be afraid. I'm going with you. We want God to say something, and we look at it and say, hey, we could do this. We could do this. You, you know what we can do? We, we, we can, we, you can fill, you could fill a building with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. 
They have conferences and they write books. You don't even have to be born again and be a popular speaker and fill an auditorium. But gathering an army of people that have vision, that are not living lives for themselves, that realize that eternity is at stake, that serve a big God and fight a little devil, that confront big things, that take mountains and take giants. I want God to speak something that at the end of the day, I'm in a fetal position in my room, and God is having to come alongside of me and rub my soul and say, fear not, for I am with you. What would it look like if God would speak something into this church and into your life that required him to follow it up with a statement, but don't be afraid. I'm going to do such great things in your life. You are going to overcome this area of addiction. You're going to break the spirit of poverty in a city. You're going to see things turn around in a community. Can I tell you? You'll have naysayers, people to talk about you, because no one has ever accomplished anything great without opposition, without having someone else saying, oh, but just talking smack. But I don't like people talking about me. That hurts my feelings. Well, keep living a life where you don't do anything, and you'll be fine. You don't accomplish anything. Don't say nothing, don't do nothing, don't be nothing, and nobody will talk about you. Believe God for more. Take on giants that have been defying the armies of the living God in your community. Take mountains, and people will talk about you. People that say, you know why they talk about you, right? Because the more the merrier. And the moment that you start behaving in a way that's contrary to popular opinion, believing God for more, dreaming God for more, growing, they want you to stay where you are because you bring a level of familiarity to them. But you're, we're not doing this for us, we're doing this for others. And I'm saying, God, come on, give God thanks. I feel that. We're, we're, we're closing. We're closing now. But did you, did you feel the transition just a moment ago? When I said, God, I want you to speak something, that after you say this is where we're going, it requires you saying to me, but don't be afraid. When was the last time God spoke something to you and followed it up with that statement? Take this step. Do this. But don't be afraid. How do you live life from victory to victory? Be faithful to God. Stay focused on the goal. You know what our goal is? Reaching more people for Jesus. Why are we going to two services, Victory Christian Center? Because it gives us the best opportunity to reach more people for Jesus. 
Does it hurt your feelings that I didn't say because then you would have options? You can get here earlier and start your Sunday earlier. It's a benefit. It is a benefit. That's not why we're doing it. Because we're staying focused on the goal of reaching more people for Jesus. And be fearless of the grave. You can't lose. We overcome. By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even until death. Fearless people will go into territory that no one else is willing to go into. They'll dream dreams that no one else is willing to dream. They'll believe God for things that no one else is willing to believe God for. God, I want you to speak something into the fabric of this house that at, after you get done saying it, you have to follow it up with, but don't be afraid, for I am with you. I go before you. I am your rear guard. I am your banner. I'll hide you in the shadow of my wings. I'll prepare a table for you in the midst of the storm and of the terror that flies by night. In the midst of criticism and voices, I'll cause you to hear the voice that calms you and restores your soul, that makes you to lie down in green pastures. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Honey, come and join me. like to invite our prayer team to come as well. Our prayer team is made up of leaders. And their, their role is to just pray for people. And we do this every week. Every time that we come together, we want to give anybody that needs prayer for any reason an opportunity to receive prayer. And the reason we do that is because we believe that that prayer works. We believe in a God that still does miracles. We believe in a God that still heals, that still sets people free, that can restore relationships, that can mend marriages, that can heal broken hearts, that can set captives free. So the reason we pray for any person that needs prayer for any reason at every service because we never want anyone to leave and miss an opportunity to experience God through prayer, to experience forgiveness of sin, deliverance of torment or healing in their body, in their soul, in their mind. And so in just a moment, in just a moment, we're going to dismiss you. And if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you.
You don't need to be a member of Victory Christian Center to receive prayer. You don't need to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, we want you to come and just receive prayer at the end of this blessing. Also want to remind you that out in the foyer, there's a volunteer fair happening, cotton candy for the kids, popcorn for everyone else. Sign up in an area to serve, get connected in. Begin praying about the service that you're going to commit. You're going to commit to where you can serve Jesus best and also the service that you're going to commit to to serve others. So I just, I want to, I want to bless you as a church. I feel like this blessing this morning is very significant. Just got something stirring in my heart. So just keep your eyes open and just receive this. Victory Christian Center, I bless you today. Be faithful to God. I bless you to stay focused on the goal of reaching people who have yet to meet Jesus. And I bless you to be fearless of the grave. I bless you to have the capacity to bear up under the dream of God for you and for our church. I bless you with courage that as we face giants and mountains that are bigger than what we can handle, that God will give you ears to hear the Holy Spirit saying, fear not, for I am with you. May you be courageous, strong in the Lord. May you not faint in the day of adversity. May you not quit when the battle gets tough. May you lift each other up. May you be a church of prayer, of fasting, of consecration. May you be a church that has no other lovers but God. May you be holy and set apart and used by Him to impact this region. May you make God famous in Northeast Ohio, in Western Pennsylvania. May He expand the territory of your border. May he bless you and not cause you pain. May he increase you. May your children and your children's children be blessed. May you and your house serve the Lord. We break addictions over your family. We break generational curses over your homes and family. We break bondages over your homes and family. You will not succumb to a spirit of poverty. You will not give in to a spirit of anxiety and worry. You will overcome in the name of Jesus and be victorious and valiant and courageous. May God bless you and keep you in all of your ways. Amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you this morning. Just come on down. We'd love to pray for you today. God bless you.